0: Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast. We're your co hosts, Terry and Bridget. Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore the different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you.
1: We're not experts or therapists, we're sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of others who do as well. By sharing personal experiences, we can all learn from each other that while depression convinces us that we're utterly alone, that our best days are in the past, and that we won't experience joy or hope again, those thoughts are symptoms, not truths. Hearing others shamelessly discuss their mental health journeys provides information, connection, and hope taking away some of depression's power. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. This is the last of our three-part series on the stigma of mental illness. We've already established that stigma, a form of judgment and discrimination, does, in fact, exist, and that it can have a powerful negative impact on people living with a mental illness, mental health challenge, or mood disorder. Notice our use of those terms. It's a little tricky these days. There's a shift going on away from the term mental illness. Which itself can be seen as stigmatizing. But we've heard of and received pushback from people who live with diagnoses, including severe depression, bipolar disorder, anxiety, and others, who feel that a term like mental health challenge makes what they're living with sound just like an annoyance rather than a complex psychological disorder. And anyone listening who's been in the
0: deepest and darkest of depression's pits would surely agree they felt more than challenged at the time. So for now, while we'll use the terms interchangeably, we still lean toward mental illness for the simple fact that people understand that illnesses require attention and treatment or they get
1: worse. If you have an opinion on the terms, please go to our website, givingvoicetodepression.com. Click the red record button in the upper left corner and let your voice be heard on the matter. If there's a strong preference for one term over another, we'll certainly use that. After all, this podcast and this series of episodes specifically are all about encouraging understanding of depression and breaking down misconceptions, stereotypes, and judgments that keep those of us living with depression and other diagnoses from getting the help and support we need to live full and fulfilling lives.
0: One of the simplest ways to summarize the reality we're exploring in this series is that depression is not a choice, but that ignorance and discrimination are Our hope in bringing you comments and perspectives today from some of our past guests is that you'll share this episode with people who still dare to talk about depression like it's a weakness or failing. You send them our way. We'll take care of them.
1: (laughs) Or at least we'll try. (laughs) We do try. We're trying so hard. Yeah, trying. Again, the impact of stigma goes far beyond being misunderstood. It creates an environment where instead of feeling safe enough to raise a hand or a white flag to say, I'm really struggling, I can't hardly get out of bed, I'm angry all the time without even knowing why, or I don't know what's going on, but I'm having thoughts that are scaring me. People stay silent because they worry about being judged, stereotyped, feared, fired, burdensome or any number of other things.
0: It is a recipe for isolation. For a documented average of 10 years passing between having symptoms and getting a correct diagnosis and treatment for a mental illness, and, of course, for an increased risk of suicide. Ask a person who lives with mental illness how those factors, which we're collectively calling stigma, impact their perceptions and willingness to ask for help? Here's some of the answers we got when we asked that question.
1: Despite my mom being a therapist, it took until me being in a, a pretty suicidal place before my family was like, oh, hey, maybe like you should go to therapy and maybe we should
2: address this. So I think if in those that first month or so, I would have gotten the information and sort of kind of... Uh, the permission to go get the correct help I have a feeling I wouldn't have sunk so deep into this.
1: It's hard to ask for a recommendation for a therapist or a recommendation for a psychiatrist but but why when we need a
0: dentist we you know we ask our colleague or we ask our neighbor. When it comes
2: to seeking help um, I suddenly feel weak or that I can't handle my illness. Because you think other people see it that way. Exactly. Maybe
1: my youngest does, since she has not gotten help for it. I mean, for her, I think it's always been about shame and appearing that she is not together. She wants to keep her appearances up, that she's okay.
2: I would like to be a part of um, a movement to make it not that way, because I I look at the statistics of a lot of, especially a lot of young people who uh, take their own life who didn't seek any sort of help, and I think that those types of terrible events could have been avoided if we just lived in a, a society where talking about a mental illness was on par in the same tone of talking about a physical illness.
1: That's such a significant aspect of all of this, feeling safe enough to say something's going on in my body that I don't understand or like. And notice we said body and not mind, because yes, the brain is part of our body. I'm not sure how mental health became such a separate category from physical health. One can be openly discussed and the other is taboo. Even in 2021, it is body boggling. See what we did there?
0: Bridget, as we talk about this topic, we do need to be aware of self-stigma as well. The fact that we can be so sure that people will judge us that we don't bring up the topic and be honest about what we're going through. Since we have committed to sharing openly here, I will just say that as a single woman, I was more than a little hesitant when meeting people to answer the question, so what do you do for a living? Or worse, how or why did you get into that? When my answer was that I produce a depression and suicide prevention podcast that I started after bottoming out with my own depression and having lost loved ones to suicide. But I can honestly say that over the years, not one person has been openly concerned with that disclosure. Rather, my matter-of-fact answer actually opened the door for them to talk about their parents' or previous partner or children or friends' experience of depression, or their own. And then we could talk about the meds we've tried and therapists we've had and the things we've learned that help us when we start to slip. Even the people who haven't had someone close to them affected by depression have understood the value of these long overdue discussions. I know that's just my experience, but I wanted to share it to just point out that sometimes our own fears of being labeled can keep a conversational door shut.
1: And four years ago, when I decided to share my own story about living with depression and having a really bad and very scary experience going on an antidepressant, I certainly feared judgment and feared being truly seen. I remember I wanted to use a fake name at first and then realized that I felt like there was no integrity in that for Mm me. And that was just my own stigma. I had to walk through the process and get comfortable telling the world things that the very people who were closest to me didn't even know.
0: I know when we started this, neither of our families knew that we had depression, our own kids. But they know now. So that is the perfect segue to the next segment of this episode, which is discussing how the lives of those of us living with a mental health diagnosis would be different, better, safer, if mental illnesses were understood and discussed and treated like the physical illnesses that they are.
1: And again, we asked a number of people how increased understanding and decreased judgment and fear of judgment would make a difference in their lives. Some answered more generally and others more personally. Here's the sampling. To take the stigma away would provide so many more opportunities to ask for help.
2: I'd pull something one week. I know you go to the doctor, get it checked out, figure out what it is, and then take the steps to make sure it gets better. That would happen one week. Another week, you know, I would have a panic attack for the first time in my life. Same thing, something unexpected happened with my health, go to the doctor, figure out what it is, and take the steps to get it done. Like, if it was that simple, I think things would be so much better, so much better.
0: Having visibility and representation around an issue makes it more manageable.
1: And then see hope, see recovery, see, uh, you know, the person has gotten better and and then they can help that person.
0: I think the reduction in stigma will be accompanied by increased community services. I think when the public perception of mental health is, oh, it's a disease of the brain versus a character disorder, you're going to find people more willing to support it, just like they've come out of the woodwork to support various physical illness, you have the Alzheimer's walk, you have Parkinson's walks, you have all kinds of cancer support systems out there. And I think the money and the support system and the treatments will all gradually come to mental health. So when we talk about how much better the world or at least our world's, would be if the stigma around mental illness and depression was less, it was interesting how many people made the point that it doesn't have to be some huge effort. They weren't talking about legislation or major changes in a flawed medical model. They were just talking about talking and how simply starting the dialogue and being honest with ourselves and other people who we can trust would make a noticeable and impactful difference.
2: I think that most people, when they hear what other people are going through, can find some peace. Just starting to talk about it as we talk more so we build understanding, as we build understanding so we can begin to think about, you know, what are some of the things we need to put in place to, uh, to, to truly break the stigma.
0: We take it out of the dark. It's dark enough. We can bring it out into the light. And I think probably one of the biggest gifts is that people who will hear this will understand that they are not alone.
1: Our nature is to kind of draw together and draw into community. So if you hear a story that's similar, the instinct is sort of to point at that and say, oh, hey, I'm not alone in this situation. It inspires them. It shows them that,
0: you know, they may be in the midst of a horrible struggle, but that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And when
1: you're in that struggle, you can't tell that there's
0: a light, you know. So these people are being that light
2: for you.
1: All that hope, connection, inspiration, information, comes from sharing when it feels safe. That's a huge effective proven method of stigma reduction. And if you're the person hearing about someone's experience, try to resist the urge or the instinct to give advice or tell us that we have such a nice life that we shouldn't be depressed. Trust me, most of us are telling ourselves that enough. Remember, it's not a choice. We're not consciously focusing on the negatives in life and ignoring our blessings. We can't access the joy. One of depression's symptoms is not taking pleasure in or from the things that typically feed us. So sit with us, listen to us, support us. You can even say that you don't understand but that you love us. But please don't judge or we'll stop talking and then we're all alone again. Just some advice from behind the curtain.
0: Great advice. It's so similar to what we hear from everybody we talk to. And it's why so many people don't talk, right? They say, every time I try, you know, somebody tells me I have essentially no right to feel the way exactly. I feel. And it's not even a feeling. So thank you for that.
1: And it takes so much courage to speak up. Yes. even like a slight facial expression from the person we're sharing with can be interpreted as judgment. And I know that sounds heavy for the listener, but it's true. We can just slam the door closed on our bravery to be real and honest and share our experiences with others. Mm -hmm. And then we're alone Mm -hmm. again.
0: Mm -hmm. Agreed. Thank you to everyone who lent their voices to all three of these stigma related episodes and to everyone listening. We want you to hear and believe that every comment you leave on social media, in our support community on Facebook, and via recordings from our website, givingvoicetodepression.com, those feed us and they guide us. They help us know what would be helpful for you to hear, and then we can focus our podcast episodes and posts using that information. We can all learn so much from each other. And knowing that we're not all alone in this battle has made a world of difference in our own lives and recoveries. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Terry, for all you're doing. And thank you, everyone, for joining us and being a part of this change. Thank you, Bridgie. We're the change. All of us, we're the change. Be the change. What is it, Gandhi? Be the change you want to see in the world? Yep. Yep.